Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where a noisy utility worker gets skunk bombed. Our first Reddit post is from Quizlez. A few years ago, I was working in a job I really enjoyed with a team I really gelled with. There were about five of us working on the same portfolio of projects in different roles, and every single team member was just cream of the crop, incredibly good at what they do. I can't overemphasize how satisfying it was to work with such an incredibly competent, likable group of people. In this job, instead of getting the Sunday night blues, I would get excited thinking about the work I would be doing the next day and planning how we would solve the complex problems together. It was like a series of logic puzzles. Yes, I realize I'm a huge nerd. I promise I also had a life outside of work. The one downside, there's always a downside, to this job was Steve. Steve was not in the supervisory line for me or any of my team members, but he was about three levels above us and very senior. He'd been there for years and was tight with senior leadership. Steve was also a mega creep. He said extremely inappropriate things to young women in the office, and he apparently wasn't averse to being handsy. Though, as far as anyone knew, that was as bad as it had gotten. The women in the office all knew to steer clear of him. My first week on the job, the Whisper Network made sure I knew, never be alone with Steve. Sexual harassment is difficult to document, and no one wanted to risk their career and put a target on their back going after a big guy like Steve. So he just got away with it for years. So for a couple of years, I followed this advice. There were a few instances of Steve saying incredibly uncomfortable things to me in passing, but for the most part, I managed to avoid him. Then, I found out that my teammate Rob had gotten on Steve's radar. For context, Rob is non-neurotypical and has some minor tickish behavior. He's also shy and easily spirals into social anxiety when put in uncomfortable situations. So one evening at our team's informal weekly happy hour after work, Rob lets it slip that Steve's been giving him a hard time. The rest of us are like, whoa, wait, what? Because Steve never interacts with staff at our level, except to creep on women, and we basically make Rob tell us everything. Basically, for the last few weeks, Steve has been bullying Rob, making fun of his tics, and mimicking his way of speaking back to him. He's also been asking Rob how he can possibly be competent to do his job, and implying he's a pity hire. Once, he called him a moron. It's clear Steve is seeking out Rob for this, because, again, there's really no reason for him to interact with our team. Rob has been having horrible anxiety over this situation, and has had bad insomnia and stomach issues ever since Steve started targeting him. And, not that it bears repeating, but just to reiterate, Rob is an effing beast at his job, and a genuinely good guy. At this point, I'm seeing red. We all were. We tell Rob to go to HR, that his neurological issues put him in a protected ADA class, that he could get Steve in big trouble. Rob panics and says he can't do that, begs us not to tell anyone at work, and says he wishes he hadn't said anything. 
We assure him we won't say anything if that's what he wants, but we're all very distressed. I leave the bar fuming, just thinking, okay, that's it. F you, Steve. You're going down. I can't tell anyone about what's happening to Rob because I promised him as much. So I start my own paper trail. I start baiting Steve. And I don't mean I behave in any suggestive manner or lead him on. I just stop avoiding him and I even initiate contact myself. I instant message him through the company's IM system very professionally and politely, asking if a big client will be staying on through the next project cycle. And the floodgates open. He starts sending me outrageously sexual IMs. I mostly don't respond, but I occasionally keep him going by sending extremely literal responses to his innuendo-laden questions or pretending not to understand something suggestive he's saying. Sometimes when he clarifies, I'll outright say, this isn't appropriate, or this is making me uncomfortable, or please don't say things like that, Steve. But he steamrolls right over me. During this time, I've also been seeing him more in person around the office, and he often says gross stuff to me in person as well. A lot of it is not just inappropriate, but bizarre and nonsensical. Is it legal to have a butt like that in that skirt? Lol, what? Every time this happens, I immediately go back to my desk and write down what he said, the date and time, and the names of any witnesses. After about a month and change of this, I compile my creep journal with printouts of the I am conversations and, <laughs> and take them to my HR rep. I asked to file a sexual harassment complaint against Steve. As soon as the words sexual harassment leave my mouth, my rep instantly gets the head of HR and two other reps, and they go through my evidence with me and ask me a ton of questions. <laughs> the head of HR assures me they'll take my complaints very seriously and asks if I know of any women around the office who have had similar issues with Steve. I'm able to give them several names. They send me on my way, and two weeks later, my rep formally reaches out to me and lets me know Steve has been let go. Much jubilation is had around the office. It took a couple of months for me to piece together the whole story, but basically, after my complaint, HR started following up with the names I gave them, both the witnesses to my in-person encounters with Steve and the other women he'd harassed. They corroborated what I told HR, and then, through them, word started spreading around the office that HR was conducting a sexual harassment investigation against Steve. This emboldened at least 15 different women who'd been biting their tongues about Steve for ages to come forward and tell their own Steve stories. The worst story was from a junior staff member who Steve had sexually assaulted at a company party the year prior. During all of this, IT had been asked to go through Steve's emails and IMs. And this had not only been used to validate my printouts as legitimate, but IT had found a ton of additional incriminating stuff in Steve's correspondences. Somewhat frustrating, Steve received an extremely generous severance package as part of his termination. But on the bright side, word got around the industry quickly and Steve was poison at that point. <laughs> no company would touch him with a 10-foot pole. 
much like how none of the women in that company would touch his four-inch pole. <laughs> the last time I thought to snoop on his public social media pages, he, <laughs> he was listing himself as an independent consultant in our industry, which I seriously doubt he's actually doing. And based on his public Facebook page, he's doing a couple of multi-level marketing pyramid schemes. So that should kill off whatever savings he has in short order. I don't work with Rob anymore, but I did recently attend his wedding. He's extremely happy with his new wife, who is a sweet and lovely woman, and he's doing really well in his career. OP, you took down someone who sexually harasses and assaults women. Calling you a hero isn't at all an overstatement. Our next Reddit post is from Upchuck to Boogie. My mom lives in a really small town where people get into other people's business quite often. My brother and his family live next door to my mom on opposite ends of shared property. Though it's shared land, they do have separate addresses for their homes. They will often share responsibilities and the like. Well, neither household accumulates enough trash each week to justify both of them having trash service. My mom pays for the pickup and they share a trash can. They rarely even fill the one can between both households. The trash man noticed a piece of junk mail with my brother's name and address on it one day and had a fit, saying that they had to pay for their own trash service. My mom ignored him. They weren't doing anything wrong. Trash man didn't like this. He started going through her trash before dumping it in the truck to make sure there wasn't anything in there with my brother's information on it. My brother's household started burning all junk mail, so no one is the wiser, even if they weren't doing anything wrong. The trash man kept threatening to have their service canceled. Again, my mom ignored him. He kept digging through the trash and just being a dick in general. I told her she should have reported him, but she didn't. Fast forward a couple weeks. My mom has chickens. Something kept killing my mom's chickens. My brother set a trap to catch or kill whatever it was and they waited. A few days later, the culprit of the chicken killing was caught. It was a skunk. At this point, the skunk was dead and smelled awful. Instead of disposing of the skunk properly, my mom decided to be a dick. She had my brother put the skunk in the trash can under a bag of trash. It baked in the sun for a couple of days before the trash man came again. Mom stood outside and watched as the smug trash man opened the can to dig through it and gagged from the stench of the dead, recently sprayed skunk. I don't think my mom had ever been so proud of herself. The trash man stopped digging through the trash and stopped making threats after that though. Today I learned skunks kill chickens. Who knew? Our next Reddit post is from Yazdan. Last summer, I was at a cousin's wedding. His bride and her family had been close with ours since before I was born, and the couple had known each other since they were toddlers. So it was a particularly exciting event for both sides of the family. However, after the ceremony was over and the party had only just started, one of the bridesmaids decided to announce her own engagement. The attention was immediately taken away from the newlyweds and brought to the bridesmaid, who I'll call Sarah, and her equally smug fiancé. My cousin's wife, I'll call her Emma, didn't make a scene or utter a single negative word about Sarah. 
She looked like she was on the verge of tears, but she kept grinning and acted very happy for the other couple. This was unusual, as Emma is typically quite confrontational and speaks her mind no matter the consequences. Sarah later picked Emma to be the maid of honor at her own wedding, which took place last weekend. I wasn't there for it, but my cousin sent me some of the best bits on Snapchat and explained the whole situation. This is where the fun begins. Emma's two much younger sisters were the flower girls at Sarah's wedding. At the very last moment, Emma switched out the white petals in their baskets to blue ones she had secretly brought with her. She also told her sisters not to say anything about it or let the bride see them until it was time to scatter them down the aisle. Sarah looked very confused upon seeing the blue petals, which didn't coordinate whatsoever with her theme. But, of course, she didn't say anything about it in the moment. Most of Sarah's other bridesmaids were also Emma's friends and had attended Emma's wedding and were in on Emma's scheme. At the reception, Emma's sisters and the other bridesmaids were tight-lipped when Sarah began demanding to know why there were blue petals. The wedding planner ended up getting a lot of abuse for not checking the flower girl's baskets before they walked down the aisle. Finally, it was time for the speeches. The speeches took place in front of a massive screen, displaying a loop of photos with Sarah and her husband, which had been compiled by Emma. Emma took the remote that controlled the presentation screen, and at first, she showed some pre-approved humorous photos of Sarah with Emma and other friends to facilitate a couple lighthearted jokes. Then, at the very end, Emma said to Sarah that she must be wondering why there were blue petals instead of white ones originally planned. That was when Emma displayed the last slide from her presentation. Emma announced in front of everyone that she was five months pregnant and that she just discovered the baby was a boy, hence the blue petals. The last slide? Her ultrasound picture. There were shocked yells and gasps. Sarah had a fit, but those involved in the scheme cheered so loudly that I sincerely regret watching the Snapchat recording with headphones. Apparently, Sarah had been very nasty to her bridesmaids before, driving several of them away and forcing the others to pay ridiculous amounts of money for dresses. Emma and my cousin were eventually thrown out of the party, but they were all smiles. Sarah's fuming mother went to confront her outside, and Emma retorted with, Gentle, gentle, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I reckon Sarah doesn't speak to the majority of these bridesmaids anymore. I feel like somewhere on Reddit, with several thousand downvotes, is a post on Entitled Parents that reads, Entitled Pregnant Woman Ruins My Wedding. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you enjoy my content and want to support my channel, please consider checking out my merch store. We've got a Yugo plushie as well as official r slash t-shirts. We'll be back with more r slash content right after this short break. Welcome to r slash nuclear revenge, where OP describes how he murdered someone. Our first Reddit post is from Throwaway Happiness Ten. And prepare yourself because this story is intense. I am now the only child from my parents, but it wasn't always the case. My dad is a spineless cuck that is dominated by my ruthless mother. 
When I was around two years old and living in Sweden, my dad went on a trip to Syria to visit my grandmother that used to live there and stayed with her for one year because she had a tumor and had to get a few operations. During this year, he was a regular to a prostitute he fancied. Eventually, he got her pregnant. After giving birth, she came to my grandmother's house and just dumped her daughter on him and left. She ghosted him and he couldn't find her anymore. My grandmother called my mother and all heck broke loose. My mother ordered him to throw my sister in the dumpster and pretend she wasn't alive because she was filth. My dad was very close to doing this, but somehow what's left of his fatherhood woke up for a second and he didn't throw my sister away. He instead convinced my grandmother to keep her and eventually she will take care of her when she grew up. Technically, just having her as a servant. This was the most humane solution he could come up with. When I eventually grew up, I met my sister when I was visiting my grandmother and we got really close. She even looked a lot like me, so I had no doubt she was my sister. But the way she was living was just awful. It broke my heart seeing how underfed she was. Her clothes were one rip away from being rags and she wasn't allowed to use my grandmother's combs and stuff to fix her hair. I would collect any money I got and send it her way, but my grandmother eventually found out and started taking them for herself. She was never allowed to go to school and could only see a doctor when she became seriously ill. By the time she reached 14 years old, she admitted to me that she was thinking about killing herself because she couldn't see any future for herself. My dad would just marry her to some garbage family as soon as my grandmother died, and she would be more like a commodity to be traded. On the 13th of June, 2008, my sister had a fight with my grandmother and was holding a little can of gasoline and saying that she was going to burn herself. My grandmother laughed and dared her to do it, which my sister did. My sister lived and died miserably. At first, my parents told me that it was an accident, but I overheard them talking about what happened in detail. By this point, my dad didn't even care. I was very disgusted with him and my mother. I dreamed a lot about just jumping on them and biting their effing throats off and just watch them bleed in horror as I kicked their faces in. I wanted to hold his jaw from the inside with my hands and just rip it from his face. I eventually brooded and started going over the events. Three guilty people and I was planning on killing them all as violently as possible. I could never come up with a plan regarding my parents, but I was already done with how to end my grandmother. The filth who made life miserable for my sister. On December 2008, I booked a ticket to visit my grandmother and was supposed to return before New Year to celebrate with my friends. I told my parents that my friend is picking me up from the airport and I'm going to stay with him for a few days before coming back. I then called my friend and told him that I'm going to passionately hug a girl that I met and if my parents ever ask him about me, he would have to cover for me. Him, being oblivious to what I was actually doing, agreed. I flew to Syria and stayed with my grandmother for about two weeks. And when the day of my flight came, I packed my bags and told her that I'm going to the airport. 
With disgust, I kissed her goodbye and then made as much noise as possible with my bags to make sure that my nosy neighbors saw me leave for the airport. I even called a taxi driver that lived nearby and he took me directly to the airport. I made sure he saw me get into the airport. I then stood at the check-in and took a selfie. I didn't check in. I turned around and walked out. I took a cab to a nearby hotel and dropped my bag off in the room. I changed my clothes and then took a cab back to my grandmother's apartment. It was two at night and I was very quiet when I got up the stairs. I knocked on her door and she opened when she saw me through the peephole. She was surprised to see me and was wondering about the flight. I told her it was delayed for a few hours, so I left the bags at the check-in with the employees. She was tired, so she decided to make us some tea while I waited. As soon as she got up, I stood in front of her. She had this very confused look on her face due to my sudden reaction. I hadn't planned how to exactly do it, but I knew this is as good as it gets. Really quickly, I held her neck with my hands. My thumbs pressed on her throat very hard in case she tried to scream. She instantly got a horrified look on her face and I just got really angry. She tried to speak but couldn't make a single sound. At first, she tried hitting me but my arms were longer than hers and she couldn't reach me. When I started applying pressure, she tried to scratch my arms instead, but I was wearing a thick sweater and also I was being pumped with adrenaline. When I saw her strangling, I became very angry. I was grinding my teeth so hard I almost broke them. I told her, this is for my sister. I kept repeating my sister's name in a quiet, angry tone, but she couldn't hear me. She was panicking and her only concern was getting air. She then kind of just froze there. I kept squeezing even though she didn't move. I really wanted to make sure. I finally let go after a while. My hands were cramped from all that tension and I listened for a heartbeat. I then sat on the sofa, took a few breaths and choked her again real hard for around 10 minutes. When I was sure she was dead, I started opening every drawer she had until I finally found her gold and money. I put them in a small bag and left. I closed the door behind me in case a neighbor found her early. I walked for nearly a whole hour while my hands were shaking like crazy. Until I was finally far away, I threw the bag with the money and gold in a small trash bucket that people had in front of their house. I went to take a taxi to the hotel and I remembered my sister and cried. I remembered my grandmother's face and I calmed down. I felt complete like when a daunting task was finally over. A very soothing relief. That night, I slept like an effing baby. I woke up the next morning and bought breakfast and booked a ticket back to Sweden the same day. I turned the TV on and put on some music. For the first time after my sister's death, I was happy. When I came back to Sweden, I took the bus back from the airport and later took the train to my friend's house. I told him that the girl dumped me and I was instead celebrating with him. My dad calls me two days later and informs me that my grandmother was robbed and that the thief stole her valuables and killed her when she saw him. 
No one suspected an effing thing. I acted surprised and made my way back. For a few months, I acted sad and secretly watched my family in case someone got a wild theory. But they all seemed to believe the robbery part since it's not that uncommon. The closest someone got was my uncle when he mentioned how unfortunate it was that I left a day before this and that I could have saved her. My mother called it lucky because I nearly would have also gotten killed. I pretended to be sad about it. Now, every year, my dad makes a ceremony to kind of remember my grandmother. They make dinner for my family and friends and hope that the prayers reach her. They don't effing know that this is a time for celebration for me. I'm now married and I have three kids. The plan of killing my parents is canceled due to them screwing themselves over so bad that it's more of a punishment if they stay alive. They're also not allowed near my children as a punishment to how they treated my sister. Every year, I celebrate this by buying gifts to my wife and kids. My wife wondered why I did this, and I simply said that the way my grandmother passed made me realize how suddenly loved ones can disappear, and how this is my way of saying, I love you. OP has an annual celebration of the time he murdered his grandmother. (laughs) This guy is cold as ice. Our next Reddit post is from Layla Annis. My parents divorced when I was in first grade. Not only did my dad disappear like Houdini, he stole my mother's ATM card to her personal account and drained her dry. My mother, being the saint she is, didn't even bat an eye. She still was cordial to him and never said a negative word about him. To me, my dad, albeit abandoning us, was still my hero. From first through fifth grade, I had the usual abandoned by dad stories. Maybe one or two visits in a year and 50 times of me waiting by the front window with my suitcase packed to go to his house and him never showing up. My mom, through all of this, was supportive and never said an ill word about him. So he still stayed my hero. When I was in sixth grade, my mother finally remarried and my father, who only had a picture of me at eight months old in his wallet, went ballistic. Did I mention he never paid child support? He would use his father's social, they had the same name, to get away with it. After my mom remarried, he let it be known that I was now my stepdad's responsibility. He cut off communication with me until I graduated high school. He didn't attend my graduation or send me a card. What he did do was write me an email thanking God he no longer had to pay child support. He didn't anyway. What really broke me was his ruthless and brutal attack on my mother, attacking her weight, looks, teeth, and blaming any perceived negative traits that I had on her. For the first time, I realized what a cowardly piece of garbage he was. I responded in kind. He told me that I was no child of his and that I was a waste. After that, I vowed that I would hurt him.
Ten years later, my father, not interested in my wedding or my son, reached out to me. You see, he is a diabetic, and one of his organs was failing, and he didn't have long. He is far down on the list, and he needed someone in our family to donate. Nuclear revenge activated. I answered his email. I met up with him and pretended that I didn't hate his guts. I went and got tested to see if I was a match. I was. I did the therapy and met with the doctors and his therapist. We scheduled the surgery. The day of the surgery, we met at the hospital. I smiled in his face and let him know that I wouldn't be going through with the surgery. I watched the confusion line his face. And I said, I just wanted you to know that you're no father to me and you're a waste. I left the hospital and drove home. My mom was pretty annoyed with me that I took it that far. My father is dying and I will be attending the funeral out of spite. And I will let everyone know what a piece of garbage he was. Edit, this really blew up. For those questioning my actions, I'll give further detail. My father was semi-obsessed with my mother. His attachment to us was only in his perceived ability to get back with my mother. In the beginning, he would call and make plans to see us and just not show up. My mom would have to make up excuses. He's been married over four times and supports and loves his stepkids without a thought to us. Once my mother remarried, he was done with us. He kept in contact with my mother through email, but had no interest in talking to his children. I've reached out to him before to invite him to my graduation, to let him know of my marriage and that he was a grandfather. All I got back was pictures of his new wife's kids. Upon getting to know him after agreeing to donate, I went to one of his therapy sessions at his request. There, I heard the story of the true reason he contacted me. I listened as he lamented about his impending death, how he was resigned to his fate, only to have his new wife remind him of his former kids and maybe one of them will donate. And he got excited because he had forgotten all about us and it was like hope renewed. Do you know how sucky it is to listen to the person who is responsible for your very existence talk about forgetting your very existence? Like I was a pair of sturdy old boots that gathered dust in the back of the hall closet. Now rediscovered, I was to be warned to go shovel manure. I knew then I wasn't going to give him anything. <laughs> OP literally left her dad to die. That's like watching someone dangle from the edge of a cliff and be like, see ya, wouldn't wanna be ya. That was r slash nuclear revenge. And my puppy Yugo is very protective of me. So you had better check out my new Yugo plushie on my merch store. Otherwise he might just get nuclear revenge against you.